Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, VP of B2B Products, Vincent Petrofessa, and CEO AJ Gupta catch up with Annika Gupta, president and head of products and platforms at LiveRamp. Annika shares her experience of watching LiveRamp grow from a 25-person startup to becoming the leading data connectivity platform. The conversation explores the future of the ad tech ecosystem at large and its role in burgeoning industries like telehealth. We also find out that Vincent loves watching The Bachelor. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of The Marketing Stir. I am your host, Starista's own B2B Products Vice President, Vincent Petrofessa. It's so good to be here. With me as always, the man, the myth, my co-pilot, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Everything's great over here. Looks like my uh, tennis league is restarting this evening, so I just have this podcast between the return to normalcy here in Texas. Uh, well, nice. I'm glad you're able to get back on uh, the tennis court. I know you're an avid tennis player. As you know, I'm here in New York City, and I can't go out after 8 o'clock, so there will be no uh, tennis being played by me here. Uh, even if I could, I don't play tennis. But it's, uh, you know, that sounds awesome. I, I bet what sounds awesome is two Guptas in a single podcast. <laughs> I know. I love it. This it's this is an awesome podcast. My favorite Gupta actually is uh is our next guest. Sorry about that AJ, but it these are just facts. Uh we are so happy to have her on the podcast. We'd love to give a marketing stir welcome to my also class of 2019 fellow rising star, the president of LiveRamp, ladies and gentlemen, Anika Gupta. What's going on? Hey, thank you so much for having me here. Oh, we're so happy to have you. We uh, saw you last, Annika, and March 1st or 2nd, we ran into you at the always popular, the uh, always educational ramp up in San Francisco only about two months ago. But wow, did that feel like ages ago? Feels like a year ago. I think we were very, we were one of the last in-person marketing events that took place before the whole shutdown. So it uh, really feels like a lifetime ago. Oh, it absolutely does. Uh, you know, AJ and I referenced that conference a lot on the podcast because again, it was, you know, the last one where, you know, some, you know, there were some people were like, ah, hey, you know what, I'm not, not going to deal with it. I was yep. on the plane coming in from New York City everyone, there's people just, the Clorox wipes. I'm like, what is going on? And <laughs> and people, people were still shaking hands. It was such great content, the, the, the networking events, the, the parties there and, you know, shaking hands, some elbow bumps, which I'm like, this is weird, but it's now become a reality. Yeah. Um, wow. But it is so good to talk to you again. Uh, if people don't know you out there. You are the president of Live Ramp. And uh, if you could talk, if you could, I sure am, right? And if you could talk about, uh, for those of people who don't know, talk about Live Ramp, talk about your role within Live Ramp, and um, and if you could elaborate on also how you got there. When did you start? 
Yeah, my journey at LiveRamp has been quite a, a wild ride. So I've been with LiveRamp coming on 10 years now in August. Uh, LiveRamp was my first job out of college. So when I uh, graduated, I, I really wanted to work at a startup. I came across this company that was doing interesting things in uh, creating personalized solutions in the marketing space, using data, helping marketers make better use of their data. And I was intrigued uh, and I really loved the team. So, so I joined on and, and 10 years later, here I am. Um, my role today is I oversee all of our product technology and customer operations at LiveRamp. Um, and the company has changed a lot over those 10 years. Today, we are the leading data connectivity platform. We help our customers across the marketing ecosystem make the most out of their data so that they can connect better with their customers and create personalized experiences that really uh, enable long-term lifetime value uh, and, uh, and create lasting relationships. That's awesome. And, and talk to me about how you know, how did you come about? Did you, no one studies this sort of thing, right? <laughs> what, what was your, right? I remember when I went to college, you're, you're younger than me, but you know, this, forget it. I, when I started, it was in the direct marketing field. There was like one, it was like one sheet of paper in a, in a notebook or a textbook. They were like, this is direct marketing. I'm like, oh really? But you know, and, and, and I love your journey of how you started to where you are now. It's really just different positions and really knowing the company in and out, but t talk to me about what you studied in college and you know, what made you say, you know what, like, yeah, I, I could, I could do this. This is a field I didn't study, but I think I will like it. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. And so in, in college, I, uh, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to major in, I got to college and thought I wanted to be a physics major. I've always loved math and science and, uh, that's what I thought I was going to do. And then Partway through my freshman year, I realized, you know what, physics is not for me. I need something more practical. I need something that I can really use and is more connected to to uh, to work that I think I might be doing in the future. And so I ended up doing an interdisciplinary major, and it was a little bit of math, a little bit of computer science, and a little bit of statistics. And looking back, I think today that would be called a data science major. But at the time, data science wasn't a thing. Uh, yeah, statistics was a thing, computer science was a thing, but there wasn't really anything at the intersection of that. Uh, and so I majored in this, uh, in this, in this interdisciplinary major, I graduate and I knew I wanted to be in the startup world and I knew I wanted to be working with data. And so when I came across LiveRamp, which then was a 25 person startup, still trying to find product market fit, uh, but doing interesting things in data, I was really intrigued by it. And I love the team and I jumped into the company. Uh, and this was really around the time, this was in 2010, when ad tech was just starting to emerge as a thing. Uh, and there was starting to be multiple different companies started solving different problems in digital advertising. People were looking at how to take their really rich offline data assets that they've been using for direct marketing for 20, 30 years and bring that into the digital world. And LiveRamp 
happened to be kind of in the right place at the right time. And we started to make this connection between the offline world and the digital world and helping companies take these assets that they've been using for so long. Uh, and these assets have really told them so much about their customers and and bringing that into, into the digital marketing ecosystem. And it was we we were trying many different things at the time and we were trying uh different building different solutions across uh, across different kinds of marketing areas uh like email and, and others email was really big back then still big today uh and and we ended up landing in this this really interesting spot and so i think it's really serendipitous that i ended up in this ecosystem and i think what's really kept me here uh in in creating, continuing to create innovative products that sit at the intersection of data, marketing, and technology is just how rapidly the landscape is changing. There's so much innovation happening uh, and it's, there's never a dull moment. Everything is, is really exciting. Every year feels different. Every year it feels like we're on the precipice of something new. It was a year of mobile. Um, I think, you know, this year is the year of TV. Next year is, what is next year going to be? We don't know. And, and I think that's a, a really exciting place to be. And I'm really drawn to areas where I can learn a lot and where the impact can be really big. And I feel like that's where we are today with marketing. Yeah, and you know it's it's so funny to hear you say it. You you forget that LiveRamp was a startup, and and I think that that kind of explains. It's like, well, at one point, you know, yet yeah, product manager, which kind of probably spawned what you're doing today, but director of marketing at some point, right? Yeah, uh, you know, kind of kind of doing it all in in and and learning a variety of different elements uh, of the business, and and now as president. You're you're kind of are, are you more on the product side, the platform, or are, are you overseeing uh, that innovation? Talk to me about kind of the current role that you have. Yeah, so my current role, I oversee all of our product management, engineering, security. Uh, customer support, uh, and as well, uh, an innovation team that's really looking at horizons beyond marketing. And so it's a really big breadth of, of things that I own. I, I say it's really owning the, the strategy for where we're taking our products, as well as building and delivering, uh, continue to build and deliver products that our customers really love and, and support them. Great. Annika, we earlier had uh, our friend Oren Hoffman on the uh, podcast, and we talked quite a bit about the uh, ramp up conferences. And he actually mentioned your name in particular in being instrumental in getting those conferences underway. What do you remember about the early days of putting together that conference and how it all came to be? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I love Oren and I, I listened to his podcast here. It's great that you had him on, too. I uh, so I the way that we got into doing ramp up, uh, this was back. Our first ramp up was in 2013. And uh, I had just moved into temporarily running marketing uh, for the company. We were probably about 30, 40 people. Um, at that point in time, and we had a date on the calendar for running our running this ramp up event. Um, and our our goal was to really bring the industry together um, and start a conversation about how to better leverage data for marketing uh, and and really showcase this burgeoning ecosystem that was 
creating all these very innovative solutions. And so when we started to put the event together, um, you know, we had this really great list of speakers of, of people from the marketing and advertising industry. Uh, and we started to get it together. And, you know, I think what I've learned from putting together events um, and, and from marketing in general is you have to bring the content. Uh, there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily always going to go according to plan, especially when you're running events. You just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and, but if you have great content, that is going to draw great people. And so we we really focused on creating content that we thought was going to be unique and valuable and visionary, but yet practical. Um, and then and then getting and, and that was the lure. And we were able to bring bring all these amazing people together and over the years, Ramp Up has really had a life of its own. And I'm so proud of of what it's become. I think that uh, we continue to have such a great team at LiveRamp supporting, making it possible, expanding it out, um, adding more on the road events where we actually go to different cities across the U.S. and host smaller sessions that our customers who sometimes can, especially on the brand side, who don't necessarily always have the budget to travel to San Francisco or New York, where we can come to them and get more of their teams engaged. Uh, and it, it continues to be a place where new ideas emerge, um, a really a big beacon of innovation in the marketing industry. And, and it's exciting. And of course, it's changing in this world now where we can't meet in person. We're doing a, our first virtual ramp up um, in, uh, in, on June 10th. And that's really exciting. We're trying to f- figure out different formats and different ways that we can evolve this and keep it as engaging as possible in a virtual context. And that's not always easy and it's not going to feel and look the same. But I think what's most important to us is making sure it continues to be a place where we're bringing together the marketing community to talk about innovation and really drive innovation. Yeah, it's uh, become one of the go-to events uh, for me. And I remember the first one I went to was actually a data provider summit that uh, Axiom had put together right after acquiring LiveRamp mm-hmm. in Vineyard. And I had an invitation from Scott, and I had no idea at that point what uh, LiveRamp did, but how can you turn down an invitation to a Vineyard, right? So <laughs> had a pretty good time and then actually became a uh, customer and a partner with LiveRamp after that. So it definitely uh, worked in our case. Hope you got some great wine to boot as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember much of the evening. So <laughs> so yes. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So going forward, uh, have you decided what's going to happen next year or is it a, a little bit premature to kind of figure out what's going on with conferences? I know you have a virtual one coming up this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're trying to see how things evolve. Obviously, in this world of COVID, we don't know when we're going to be able to be in person again safely. Uh, we've done, we've, we did uh, about a month ago, we did a customer advisory board virtually. It was the first time we did a, a, a did one of those virtually. And we're learning, we're learning how do you bring, how do you build and create community when you can't be in person with someone. And I think looking into next year, when it's safe to do so, we would love to launch in-person events again. 
what that looks like is unclear. I don't think we're going to go back to the way things were before pre-COVID. I think the world is going to look like a different place for a long time, for many years and possibly forever. And so we're going to, we're, we're really thinking strategically about how do we adapt these events? Maybe we need to make them, maybe we have many more smaller events. Maybe we have to have different kinds of protocols in place when we're hosting events to make sure that people feel safe uh, and and there's better you know hygiene and everything because we all know that the event season, the marketing event season, is the time when everyone is getting sick because because we're all going to so many places, we're on planes all the time, we're um, in room you know we're we're in tight rooms together, we're going to cocktail parties together, all all of those things, and I think it's something that's really helped build a very strong community in the marketing ecosystem and has helped bring together people to create creative partnerships that then lead to great business results. But uh, I think that's definitely going to, we all know that that's going to have to look different in the future. And I am very much looking forward to the day when we can all be in person again, but uh, recognizing as well that that may look different than it did in the pre-COVID world. Yeah. And so speaking of innovation, you know, what do you see happening uh, sort of in the industries? And I know LiveRamp serves quite a few different clients across industries. Do you see some industries uh, doing better for live ramp than others during this uh, period? Yeah, I mean, if you look at at, at brands, uh, and typically we work with both B2B and B2C brands, I think B2B marketers have not seen, we haven't seen as much of a, a impact as to some of the B2C marketers that we work with. On the B2C side, uh, I mean, the industries that are, are doing really well right now are things like gaming and enter- in parts of entertainment, uh, but the parts that are very focused on digital and mobile. Um, there are uh, retail in different places is, is very much struggling with the shutdown. Um, of course, grocery is up. He- uh, anything touching the healthcare space, uh, there's a lot, a lot going on and a lot of activity there. Um, we're seeing a, a pretty big bounce back and auto starting to happen as well. So I think we're, while obviously with the, with the lockdown and with a lot of businesses being forced to shut that were not essential businesses, there have certainly been places amongst our customer base where our customers are really struggling. They're laying off thousands and thousands of people or furloughing uh, their employees and and they're struggling to just make ends meet day to day and get some of the basic work done. Whereas we have other customers who are have surging demand on the order of you know 300 percent growth in uh, in in a couple of weeks, and they're having to deal with what that means for their businesses as well. So for everyone, uh, there's a lot of change happening, both positive and negative. And and the role that we're trying to play for our customers right now is really helping them navigate that change and come out on the other side stronger, because we really believe that in times of hardship and in down economic downturns, the winners take share. So how can we help all of our customers be winners and help them take share and help them set themselves up for when this lockdown is over, when uh, when things start to open up again and the economy recovers, uh, they're set up to really grab share and uh, engage with their customers and and use that as a launching point for growth in the future. 
Yeah, because you know we were talking about it before. You know, people are are home. People are working from yeah. home. They're they're watching, you know, more television. I I live in New York City where there's so much live entertainment that's just gone. I mean, we're Broadway, yeah. right? There's Broadway. There's comedy shows. There's sports. something. To, yeah, sports. I know. I, I and there's so many things where, you know, speaking of like live sports on TV, where advertisers really you know get the most mm-hmm. uh, bang from their buck a lot of times for the live events but you know people are you know advertisers are coming up with new ways to reach the their audience uh different advertisers are coming to the forefront mm-hmm. a lot you know people at home people are exercising at home i must have received nine different male grooming for my hair uh you know sponsored ads to me they're just you know marketing has changed so much uh you know Speaking of TV, and, and, and a lot of people have been binge watching uh, throughout this time. Uh, have you been taking partaking in any binge watching during this uh, COVID nineteen? So, at home? yeah. So this is going to be like a bit of a, a guilty pleasure. So I before uh, before COVID um, in February, I started watching The Bachelor for the first time, and I'd never seen an episode before <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And, I got really into it. And so then uh, when the lockdown started, I went and, and started watching old seasons of The Bachelorette. Um, and so I've been binge watching those. And it's just really nice and light and fluffy in a time when things are really mm-hmm. can be quite stressful and the world, you know, there's lots of doom and gloom in the world. And so that's been my guilty pleasure, binge watching old uh, seasons of The Bachelorette. No, the the, re- the reason I laughed out loud is me too. I have been watching. <laughs> really? So so let me tell you something. So let me tell you something. You can hear it first here at the marketing stir. Um, um, so a few years ago, my wife used to watch it with her sister, Lindsay. And they used to watch it, talk about it, leave me alone. That's fine. And then my sister-in-law moved to New Zealand. And my wife is like, can we watch this? together i'm like oh this is gonna be awful it's amazing it is amazing i'm watching it i'm like this guy has no backbone he just yeah. he, this this bad this bachelor the pilot he was the worst you know he would just yeah. he just like listened to all the gossip oh yeah. it's so funny yeah. I, I i have my own take about it we'll talk about it another time yeah. but i love the show I'm like, I'm like, no, she's not going to last. You need to get rid of her. Like, this is, I love that shit. I'm sorry. This is now called The Bachelor Stir, ladies and gentlemen. We're now talking about, but yeah, I, I watched about four or five seasons now. Love it. You know, Rachel Lindsay is still my favorite bachelorette. I do. Anyway. Yeah. Look at this. Oh, I can already see the headline of this, uh. Of this one, yeah, I love. She, you, you crossed her. She was like, "No, you need to go." She, he's like, "No, but I love yeah. you." What do you mean you love me? You just met her. You gotta go anyway. Um, yes, I, I love that. I love, okay, let's get back to. Um, I want to get back to another question about um, on the on the product side. Now, has your product roadmap changed, Annika? Where you, hey, in January, this is what we're going to focus on, and then boom pandemic happens and you had to kind of put a fork in that and, and, and pivot. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, you know, every business, um, including ours has been impacted by COVID unquestionably. And I think as we've looked, as we, as a leadership team at live ramp looked at our business and really asked ourselves, how do we want to be investing our, our dollars, uh, in our business in the, in the coming year, given all the uncertainty, 
what we did is we really looked at the thing at the the products that were getting the most traction, the products where we saw the most growth uh, coming out of. So this is these are things like measurement and TV and our live ramp safe haven product that's enabling second party uh, data sh- data collaboration and analytics. Um, this is like our our authenticated traffic solution that's enabling addressability in a uh, in a cookieless ecosystem. Uh, so all of these areas are, are big areas of growth for LiveRamp. And we looked at our budgets and we did a full rebudget as many, many companies were are, have been doing. And we said, we're going to invest in the growth initiatives first and then figure out how do we fund everything else, how we split the rest of the pie. And I think it was such a great way to make sure that as we were thinking about what we want to be doing, where and and prioritizing, we were prioritizing the things that were most important for our customers and and most important for the growth of the business. And so now we're set up and we're in a place where we're heads down focused on executing against the things that are going to really move the needle for our customers. Well, I got to say, we, we bring together three rising stars in the bachelorette is the conversation I was not expecting. <laughs> it's because you haven't seen it yet. You, you... Exactly. Now you just need to go watch Rachel Lindsay's season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was here to talk about cookies, you know? <laughs> we can talk about cookies. I love cookies as well. <laughs> so I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times already, but, you know, for viewers who haven't heard, uh, the live ramp answer uh, and heard from you is, uh, you know, what are you doing to prepare for cookies going away? Obviously for onboarding for a lot of us, cookies has been a a big part, if not uh, the only part. So uh, I think a lot of viewers would love to hear what the future plans are for live ramp. Yeah. I mean, we're in a very fortunate place in that, uh, you know, our whole business has been built around physical identity um, and so, you know, that's the basis of, of everything that we do. But of course, like cookies play a really important role in the ad tech ecosystem today. Um, I think as we look to the future, and we've been preparing for the cookieless future for three plus years, back to the days that we launched the ad ID consortium. Uh, what, what we're really focused on is how do we provide the, the industry with a solution that's better than cookies? Uh, and that is really going to stand the test of time. Cookies, in some ways, like for for all the engineers out there, is, is a it's a hack. Um, it wasn't meant; they weren't meant to be used for this huge ecosystem that is now now leveraging third party cookies to deliver personalized content on the internet. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, as we focused on providing an alternative, we're really looking at how can we embed an alternative ID a people-based ID that has uh, consumer consent tied to it. Uh, how do we embed that throughout the entire ad tech ecosystem and allow for that to be an alternative open ID that's that can be used uh, in, in place of a cookie? 
we're working to get adoption of uh, our authenticated traffic solution with publishers. The way that we're approaching it is that we want to give maximum flexibility to publishers. So the the solution that we, we've built is really for what we call the, the authenticated ecosystem. So for publishers that have logged in traffic, and we know like we're, we've been seeing a trend in and talking to publishers, there's a lar- larger and larger set of publishers that are moving their content behind registration walls and subscription walls, because that's really the only way that they can monetize it. And in a world where you don't have cookies, unless someone is logged in, you really don't have any way to know anything about that user. And so the login is is a very, very important event and being able to to push that content behind registration walls is, is really, really important. So as we look at how do we enable um, our, uh, at the end of the day, our, uh, the marketers and advertisers that we work with to uh, be able to create personalized content and push that out to their audiences across the, the web. Uh, there's really, we've kind of segmented the, the web inventory into a few different buckets. So first are the walled gardens or premium publishers. So these are companies like, like Facebook and Google, but also like Pandora and Spotify and, uh, Twitter and Snapchat and Pinterest, uh, where you know they already have, they have, uh, their all of their content is, is essentially already. You have to log in to to see it, um, and we have deep integrations that are not cookie based that enable us to create addressability and measurability within those ecosystems. Then we look at the the TV ecosystem. So this is both cable providers like a Comcast, streaming providers like a Hulu, um, OTT providers like a Roku, and we're developing integrations directly with those kinds of companies as well. And again, creating addressability and measurability if that's not based on a cookie. Then you look at the rest of the open web and you have, and you can really look at the rest of the open web as segmented into two categories. One category is uh, publishers that have differentiated content that are really going to be able to move their content behind a registration wall. So this might be someone like a uh, Washington Post or New York Times, but it also could be a smaller publisher like a runner's world that has a really uh, a really dedicated following, but maybe have more has more niche content. Um, So those are the kinds of publishers that we're working with and integrating with uh, and essentially enabling them to um, hook into the the uh, the the ad tech ecosystem and leverage uh, the live ramp ID as an anonymous identifier that really can flow through and enable an, a, a brand to connect their audiences to that publisher's inventory. I like that. I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think that is a viable solution. And uh, thank you for the question, AJ. Uh, Annika, you mentioned before, uh, you know, we were kind of talking, I was giving you my background story about, I was at my, my in-laws, we, my <laughs> wife was having a baby we, because, um, we had a, we had to get out of the area, the hospitals here, healthcare, uh, healthcare has changed so much. Televisits, you, you only emergency only. Yeah. How do you think the healthcare field is going to change as far as the digital world is concerned? Uh, you know, any, any uh, innovative ways that LiveRamp's going to be testing those waters? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. You know, healthcare has been a really interesting space for us. 
Um, we've been getting into it in the in the past couple of years and looking both at the marketing and advertising side of of the healthcare industry, which is rapidly changing, taking advantage of the new tools at hand to provide uh, more addressability and measurement, uh, but then looking beyond advertising and marketing and into the broader healthcare space where there are a lot of challenges around how do you bring data together to uh, to lead to better patient outcomes. And I think what has been really interesting about the, about the current health crisis is that a lot of trends in healthcare uh, that were going to take place over the next five to 10 years are drastically accelerating, like telehealth, for instance. So something that LiveRamp did really early in, um, in, in the, uh, in, I think probably in early, late March, early April, was uh, we partnered with a company called DMD uh, to really work with them on uh, on onboarding data to enable campaigns at no cost uh, related to COVID nineteen and connecting people to to telehealth uh, providers. So it's there are some really interesting, that's one of many, many kinds of initiatives that we're engaged in on the healthcare side to, uh, to, to figure out like, how can we, in this world where healthcare is going to be, is moving more digital, what does that mean? And how do we help connect patients, providers, um, pharmaceutical companies, uh, and, and really this whole ecosystem together? Um, and it's it's really exciting. I think that these these are the kinds of things that can produce major outcomes in terms of the way the, in terms of access to tools, access to healthcare, um, especially for communities that don't necessarily have access to great healthcare. I mean, you're in New York. I'm in San Francisco. We're both really lucky in that we're near some of the best medical institutions in the world. But what about people that live in rural areas that don't have access? Um, and and these tools and technologies are are things that are going to open up access in a whole new way. And I think that's really exciting. And and I really hope that LiveRamp can play a role in both um, connecting connecting the dots and helping uh, enable marketing for solutions that are are going to open up access, uh, but then also hopefully play a role in actually helping doctors understand how do they diagnose their patients better and how do they provide um, care for a preventative care um, to, to help people stay healthy longer. Annika, much like you, I've only worked at a, a single company for the past 10 years. So I was curious, what's changed for you uh, in terms of managing people? I'm sure it's been a lot of kind of experience uh, on the job training like it was for mm-hmm. me. Uh, but what's kind of been the biggest difference as you have grown? And at what point did you guys think at LiveRamp, wow, we really have something that'll become huge? It's a good question. You know, I... Um... You know, I feel very fortunate. I've had amazing mentors to learn from, like Oren and then Travis and now Scott and the the current leadership team that we have at LiveRamp. And it's um it's been a really amazing journey. And Scott says something that I really I've really taken to heart, which is like you are the sum of all the people that you have worked for. And I truly feel that way. And I've worked for a lot of like I in in this journey I've worked for and with a lot of different kinds of leaders and have been able to take so many different nuggets from each of them. And and I think about the journey of LiveRamp and 
there have been so many great, um, amazing successes. And I think we all, uh, and I think this is true for, for every, every stage that we've been in, we're never happy with what we've, we've accomplished. We always want to do more. And so I don't know if there was ever a single point in time where we were like, wow, we've like, we've really, we've really made it. And like, this is it. Um, I think there have been times when there's, there've been moments where we've really gotten to take a step back and look at this journey and celebrate what we we've done so far. And I think a few of those are one is when we got acquired by Axiom. And I remember um, at that time we were, our office was on, on mission street in San Francisco. And there used to be this pizza truck uh, that we would all go to on Thursdays that was outside of the office. And uh, that week that the, the acquisition got announced, we all like a bunch of us went to go get pizza and we're wearing live ramp gear, of course. And some like people just walking down the street were like, oh, you work at live ramp. Congratulations. And that was a moment where I was like, someone else like knows about live ramp. Like no one, you know, people would all the time mispronounce the name live ramp or like not know what, what we do, who we were. And so that was certainly a, a really big defining moment and one that I remember. And then the other one was uh, when... In, in October of 2018, um, after we completed the uh, completed the sale of Axiom to IPG, uh, when we went and and got to ring the opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange, and that was uh, that was a really really amazing, fun uh, milestone and experience that we'll never forget. But even at that point, we realized, hey, the work is just starting. And it always feels like the work is just starting no matter what we've accomplished so far. That is cool. You know, yeah, it must be a good feeling to uh, to ring that bell. Uh, that's awesome. You know, uh, speaking of leadership, uh, you know, you're in leadership. You've, you've learned from uh, other great leaders. Leadership's more important than ever now with keeping morale up. Right. You know, the, you have is a large company there. There's people at home. There's people at, uh, you know, people, the, people may be alone. People are being teachers for the first time to their children, uh, not in the office, not able to mingle. What, what's live ramp? What have you guys been doing to, to keep the morale up? Yeah, it's been a real it's been definitely a new leadership challenge leading in these times, uh, to say the least. And I think we have done a lot uh, to figure out how do we engage our employees at LiveRamp? How do we help people through a lot of the personal challenges that they're facing right now, whether that's social isolation because they live by themselves, whether that's trying to manage taking care of children or um, or elderly parents, um, whether it's just fear about, hey, am I going to get sick, especially for those that are immunocompromised in some way. And, and so there's a lot going on. Um, and then on top of that, this week, uh, with all of the social injustice uh, and, and violence and death that's happening and impacting Black communities and people of color, that's adding on top of the, the stress and the challenges that different people across our, our company are facing. And it's really tough. Uh, I think that we have to, I, I think it, it's a very important time for us to stand up and really lead. Um, I think that means 
having empathy for different people on the team, the situations that they're going through, communicating constantly, figuring out new forums to communicate, individually checking in on people more, um, and, and really also giving them confidence in the future of the business, especially when so many other businesses right now are really struggling. And so how do we create, we've done things like really thought about how do we communicate about what we're doing around office reopenings? Can we bring certainty to, uh, to people? So we told, we announced to the company a couple of weeks ago that we're not opening before September one. And we actually laid out here are the criteria of how we're thinking about office opening. Here's the challenges that we face in opening the offices. And we got a lot of people reaching out to us really happy that we were able to provide, provide that kind of certainty. Um, this week, especially we've, we've been engaging and sending out lots of notes. Every single leader has been sending out notes to the team about, um, how to support the fact that we're in solidarity with the black community. Um, how do we support, uh, the people on our teams that are really uh, struggling right now? How do we uh, show our support against racism um, and doing so through both monetary contributions to organizations, uh, but also thinking about like our own DNI initiatives and shedding more light on that and accelerating some of the work that we're doing there. Uh, and that's something that I think makes a real difference. I think we have an opportunity right now in this time of crisis to really rethink the way that we do business and the way that we engage with our, our employees and the way that we treat our employees. And it's on us as leaders to use this opportunity to create lasting and meaningful change. Yeah, that's that's beautifully said. It, it is, you know, being at being in New York City, and as I know you're in San Francisco, obviously this is happening all over the the country. You know, yeah, where I, I see it, you know, every day and I'm part of, you know, right outside my door are these peaceful protests and just, you know, reminder, uh, I don't need a protest to remind me, but it's, it's a reminder of like, this is real. You know, we really need to keep our eyes uh, open. We need to, you know, support, you know, the black community. And uh, yeah, I am reminded of it. Uh, you know, all, all the time, which I think it's it's a it's a great thing. It's unfortunate that, you know, an event like that it takes for, you know, people to want the change. But yeah, yeah no, it's been it's 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 an interesting time uh, right now. Um, I don't have the best segues uh, from that because it's such a powerful message, you know, that that you had there. We just have a, a little bit of time left. One other thing, you know, uh, how are you? enjoying or not enjoying working from home. I, I'm not a work from home person. Yeah, I'm not yeah. either. Yeah. I, you know, yeah some yeah, people love it and work. I'm like, I hate it. This is... <laughs> Well, my husband is like living his best life in quarantine. So he, you know, he's like, he's like, there's no real change for me. I feel like everything is, is good. And I feel exactly the opposite. So I think like I get a lot of energy out of being with people. And I think that it's, uh, you know, I'm making the work from home work. Uh, and I think we all are in our different ways. Uh, but I, I never used to work from home before COVID. Like I can't even remember the last time that I worked from home for even a day. And so it was a really big change. And I think there are parts about it. Um, there are silver linings. So I've been, um, up until uh, well, about three weeks ago, I decided to, to move back in with my parents, um, who live about 30 miles South of San Francisco and, uh, really being able to spend time with them is a huge blessing. And so I've been, I've spent more time with them 
uh, in the past three weeks than I have probably in the past eight years. And that is really, really special. Uh, being able to go and just, you know, walk outside and they live in the suburbs and, and being in a more you know, green area and uh, being able to do that a, a couple of times or, or even more during the day, take calls outside, sometimes take calls walking. That has been um, a real, real blessing as well. So there are absolutely silver linings, but I, I can't wait for the day when I can be in person with my team again, because I really miss that energy that I get from being there with people and, and it's hard and in a time when there's so much tragedy and so much pain, it's really hard to, to not be able to like give someone a hug. Um, and that's, I, I think that, you know, I, I just, I really miss that. I'm with you there. Uh, certainly we're fortunate. Um, a lot of our team is in San Antonio and we haven't been quite as impacted. So we might be back in the office sooner than, sooner yeah. than not San Antonio office. So kind of one last question for you before we run out of time is uh, what's kind of the best way for a salesperson to reach you um, on LinkedIn or email? What are the messages that you respond to? I think, you know, I respond to the messages that are really speaking to me. And I think that means like really solving a problem that I'm facing, really understanding where I'm coming from, whether it's understanding the stage the company is at right now and understand the types of problems that, that I can have, uh, that I may be having and really offering to help me in some way, do my job better. I, I think I, that's how I think when I, when I think about reaching out to our, our customers and engaging with them is that I need to be solving a problem for them. I need to be making their lives easier, not harder. And I think those are the kinds of messages that really resonate with me are the ones that uh, I feel like are, are, have been tailored to me in a way that they're solving an immediate problem of mine. And is there any, is there any message that you just never respond to where the, you know, Oh my so, God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you share one, of, one, one of those. Yeah. I mean, it's all of the people that are emailing me all the time about um, engineering outsourcing solutions. I get, I think like the most number of marketing emails because like I'm a tech leader is for like IT engineering outsourcing. And, you know, for us, like we're just, that's not, that's not what we're doing right now. Like that's not, you know, we, we have very, um, we have very innovative technology, no matter where, where we're building our technologies, our strategy is to have full-time employees building our products. And so those are the things that just drive me crazy is like getting all of the, those emails. And I understand that they're like, I'm the right audience for them on paper, but in practice, no. Yep. Exactly. Know your audience, people. And yeah. this uh, audience, this, uh, our audience is in for a treat. This has been amazing, Annika. Thank, thank you so you. much for, for being here. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you. Rising Star Class of 2019, the president of Live Ramp. It's been a pleasure, Annika. I'm Vincent Petrofesta. You. You're welcome. That's AJ Gupta. Got to get to his tennis lesson. Uh, thank you so much for listening to The Marketing Stir. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.